to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast, an unfiltered look into the global vacation and short-term rental industry. I'm Mateo Bradford. And I'm John Stokinger. And this is our podcast. We bring the right people to the table at the right time, giving you an inside view and take on the short-term rental industry like no other podcast can. All right. Hey. Good morning, man. John. How are you? Hey, fancy meeting you here on a Tuesday morning. I know, I know. What's going on? No hat today? Nothing? Well, What's I can up? put it on. I just, I just, oh. I got a fresh cut, you know, so I had to kind of you know, show it off a little bit. I see, I see, I see. I see. It looks good for about a day. <laughs> so. Story of my life, hence our hat, my hat scenario. I think my barber's on strike or on vacation. So, you know, it's a and nice for- little hat. Yeah, well, I mean, we got to remember that most everyone can't, um, you know, can't see us here because they're listening to us because this is a podcast. But, you know, I look good today. Well, this we'll just keep it at that. (laughs) All right. Well, we got to get more people checking out the YouTube channel. Yeah, true. The video video makes a difference. So happy Tuesday. Welcome to the No BS Short Term Rental Podcast. It's an exciting week. Uh, I'm super stoked because uh, uh, this week's guest uh, is someone that I consider a good friend, someone I look up to, a uh, mentor in the space. Uh, Phil Bernard, give it up. Welcome to the No BS Short-Term Rental Podcast. Am I supposed to clap for myself? I'm clapping. Yes. Yeah. I'll yeah. clap Let's too. Just... I'll clap. I'm sorry. Welcome hey, Philip, Phil. how are you, man? I'm excellent. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful sunny day in central New Jersey. Uh, I have I have my work cut out for me today. I get to start out the day by having a, a long conversation with you guys and talk about, um, you know, all the stuff that we would be talking about if we were meeting at the conferences right now and more more likely the stuff that we'd be talking about in the bar after the conferences. Right. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I haven't gotten enough of that in my in my diet recently in terms of in terms of really getting to dig into what's going on and, and um, you know, chat with other like minded people in the space, other leaders in the space. So I'm pumped. So, Phil, so I'm, I'm super psyched to have you on this week. For those who don't know, Phil is the CEO of Future Stay. Uh, he is a technologist. He's an investor and just an overall awesome guy um, who we've had the privilege, uh, the privilege to meet with and, and hang out and learn from and build a relationship within this industry. And so someone I said I, I have a lot of respect for um, and has uh, has been helpful for me and my and my journey through this industry. And so super psyched to have you on and get your opinion. And uh, it's going to be a good one today. It's a lot of stuff to talk about, John. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to learn more as well. The 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 Unfortunately, the the only time that I've gotten to know uh, Philip at all was through a podcast that I watched of you. Um, was uh, Paul Stevens did a, a a or a a interview? I'm not sure podcast or video or whatever. It, but um, I did watch that, and that was that was uh, a two part series, and that was excellent. Um, and I was uh, glad to to be able to listen to that. Um, I do want to kind of kind of pivot real quick um, to talk about. I, I think that podcast was on diversity. Um, and back, you know, shoot, this is probably close to nine, 10 months ago. And now, um, and I, I want to kind of tie that into you and I, Mateo, we, mm-hmm. we kind of put together a, a, a webinar over a year ago now, um, mm-hmm. that, that went out and it had great attendance. It was, we called it diversity, inclusion, a real discussion. Um, if you're interested, um, in, in actually watching that, we have it broken out in in six episodes, and we, we can go, go ahead and put a link um, 
yeah. a link so you can kind of go ahead and watch it. But we got news yesterday that VRMA has approved this as a panel discussion for international. So Mateo and I are going to co-moderate this. We're super excited about it. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh, we have some great, great panel guests and, and it's going to be awesome. So we're, we're super stoked. And uh, it's it, it was supposed to happen a year ago um, in 2020s international mm-hmm. that didn't end up happening down in Orlando. So we're excited that we're going to be able to do it in San Antonio in person. So that's awesome. That's great, guys. Let me, let me ask you, you know, I don't know if this is supposed to work like this, but let me ask you guys a question. Absolutely. And and so, you know, I think this is a challenge that a lot of minorities have internally, especially and I'm not trying to say, look, I've made it right. But when you get to a certain level in the career, when you have that access that you've built over time, right, that wasn't granted, but that you built over time, when you see diversity and inclusion efforts, I think there's you're of two minds. One is saying, this is great. We know how important this is. I'm glad this is going to raise awareness. And the other is, you know, is this just, is this just virtue signaling, right? Is this just like the organization says, hey, you know, you guys saw the George Floyd protest. America's upset and the world is looking at us. Like, how do we show that we are not that far behind the times? It's okay to be a little behind the times, but how do we show we're not that far behind the times? Like, how do you guys balance that? How do you think about this particular initiative, number one, but how do you balance that in your own minds? Like, where do you think this is? I, for me, I, I'm all about verbs, right? So, you know, it's about action, right? It, it's about not so much what you do in the moment. Yes, what you do in the moment is important, but what is the residual effect of that action in the moment? We're seeing a lot of that, right? Like everything that we just talked about happened a year ago. So for me, what's happened since? Right. It's been a year since George Floyd. It's been a year since the unrest. It's been a year since, you know, a, a, a shaking and awakening um, of our country. And, and granted, that's not the only thing that's been happening. A lot of noise going on. But to me, that kind of cements the importance of what is the action post the event? Right. When it's out of the news cycle, what are companies doing now? Is the is 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 diversity and inclusion still on the radar? And are there actions that are backing that up and improving that? Or, you know, has it been, to, you know, pushed down to the bottom of the to-do list? And I, I think with varying responses, and just to be 100% honest, I, I'm seeing a bit of both, um, you know, and, you know, being kind of altruistic like I am, like, and, and being understanding, like, look, I get there's things that are happening. People's businesses are back opening. There's other things that are happening, but it doesn't excuse the fact that like, you still have to call it to the floor. Like mm-hmm. if this is an important initiative, it doesn't matter what's going on. It's an important initiative that, you know, needs to be continually addressed, continuously actioned. And, you know, the awareness can't just go away because it's out of the news cycles. The, you know, diversity is not going anywhere. These initiatives still need to be addressed programs need to be worked on, funding needs to happen, cultural change still needs to be worked on and pushed through and progressed because just because we had to talk about it, just because we had a panel about it, just because we got some people together and, and started discussions, that's the first step. The next step is what's, you know, all right, what is the legacy that we're going, what are we doing to put the mechanisms in place to ensure that we're not having these same conversations next year, two years, three years, five years down the line. That's my that's my that's my long answer, John. You? No, it's I agree. It's the the hard part about all of this. And again, you know, 
this, I mean, for me personally, this, you know, straight up, but like I, it, the attention was brought, it was brought to my attention because I, and I reached out to Mateo. I said, I don't know how to talk about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know what is the right thing to say. What's the wrong thing to say. The George Floyd incident woke me up a little bit. It like, it was always there for me, you know, like Mateo has always been my brother, you know, like we're, we're, we're close and that's not, but for me, like, like I, I looked around and I said, like, I don't even know how to d- talk about this. Like, right. I'm, I'm just this, I'm this white guy in a, in a white industry, in an old money industry right. that, that doesn't, and I knew that something needed to be done and said and talked about and, but I didn't know how. And so I reached out to Mateo and we had a great splash and like we made a lot of traction early and everyone was on board and you kind of see where, where the, now it's out of the limelight. It's not the center of the discussion anymore. It's like, Oh, we don't have any funding for that. Or mm. we don't have this or yeah, it's a great idea. Mm. But, and so, you know, we're, we're trying, we're, we're trying to, you know, we're, this was a win for us, but it's also, uh, you know, kind of a loss in the work. It's a, it's been a battle for over a year for us to get some there and there are certain wow. individuals yeah. that are amazing and, yeah. they're, and they're bending over backwards to do what they need. And, but, but if there's only certain individuals, like, so I think as, as wonderful as it was, we just need to keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. Um, and it's unfortunate, you know, and that kind of brings me to, you know, Speaking of you know this, we had an amazing guest on last week in episode 10 of No Bullshit Podcast. We had Robert Geller, the CEO of Fab Stays and founder CEO of Fab Stays and Fab Founder, self-proclaimed Fab Founder. Um, he's amazing. And yeah. the to kind of to bring light to this is I we're I I love looking at our our numbers. How many downloads are a week? And we're growing, we're growing, we're doing great. But unfortunately, the title of last month's or last week's episode was LGBTQ plus in the short term rental space. It had so far in the first week, it's about sixty percent viewership compared to any other one going. And so, what does that say about right? the openness and of, of our, of the people of our industry. So it's unfortunate. Um, I hope more people will go back and listen because it's one of our best episodes we've done. It's enlightening. It's great. Um, and you know, is what it is. We just keep pushing forward. You know, John, I think one of the challenges in having to, and you, you kind of touched on this, having to be constantly conscious of, of you know the distinctions or parallels or challenges or discrimination or histor- history of it or you know potential solutions like just having to be conscious of race having to be conscious conscious of discrimination against other discrimination or you know the relationship uh, with other uh, minority groups like LGBTQ plus right all of those things is draining for everyone involved on our consciousness it's tiring it's tiring to have to think about it, have to create panels around it to be it. Right. Yeah. It's all tiring. Right. I, I mean, I think one could make the argument that the most tiring thing is to be a part of that group that is, you know, let's say it's marginalized or it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, maybe 
removing or shedding some of that marginalization, but but still not uh, still viewed in that way. So people don't want to click on that because they don't. It's it's they're, everyone's tired already. They don't want to hear another thing that's going to make them more tired, right? right. And I get that. I get that. Put yourself in the shoes for a minute of the person that doesn't get to not listen to the episode because they lived the episode. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah. So you know, it, it is. It kind of is what it is. And and um, you know, I think like to, the silver lining on all of it is, you know, you said, well, well, what what's the you know, Mateo? I, I like the way you put it. You know, what 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 happens after it leaves the spotlight? What happens after it leaves the limelight? And the answer to that is, you guys are talking about it. John, you reached out to Mateo to have a conversation about it because you didn't know what to say or what to, you had your own thoughts, but you didn't know what to say or how to broach that topic or how to make, create change or how to impact things. And you decided to, that you were going to take and put that effort on when you don't have to do that. Right. True. Mateo, Mateo and I don't have too much of a choice. I mean, we can talk about it or not talk about it. That's up to us, but we're still going to live it either way. Yeah. That's going to be our lived experience no matter what, regardless of whether or not we spend time talking about it. And mm -hmm. sure, neither one of us spend all our time talking about it for certain, right? I mean, it's, you know, just past the anniversary of, of the George Floyd, uh, you know, killing and the, the sentencing of Derek Chauvin was recently. So it's a it's a timely topic, right? But like, ultimately, even when it's not in the headlines, it isn't it is in the lives of, you know, many, many people throughout the world. But people like you, John, who decide that you're going to make it a priority when you have limited resource and limited time, et cetera, is how the change happens. Yeah. No, I, and I, I agree. It's, you know, the interesting part is I think it comes down to also, and I, I feel like I say this a lot, but it's when people come to you and, and I've had lots of conversations with people who don't understand, right? Like feel again, and they feel like just the weight of everything else, you know, especially if you're not, and if you don't understand somebody's perspective or you don't take the time to really understand where somebody else comes from, it's a it's it's already heavy enough. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you think about the the weight and the gravity of the issues that we're dealing with as a country and a society right now around race, you know, sexual orientation, you know, politics, whatever it may be. You know, we just we we just go here instead of taking a step back working from like a base level of, all right, let's operate from a level of understanding, you know, where are these people coming from? Like, what is this? Instead of just being like, oh, now I got to deal with this or something else, or I don't understand this. I don't get this, or I'm just completely not even open to this. It, it's a lot. And, and I think it's how people process these things. And unfortunately, you know, John and I are, are, are able to have conversations. Other people that I, you know, know in, don't necessarily agree with politically or, uh, or otherwise, you know, I, I have good friends that we can have conversations, but even within those conversations, it's, it's, it's the weight of, you know, my side versus your side, right? Mm -hmm. Not saying, look, Hey, we're in this thing together, right? We have differing views about certain things, but the baseline is, I, you know, respect for you as a human being, you know, and you respecting me as a human being and then building out from there. And again, I don't, you know, with those in those conversations, I don't expect you to own my experience. I don't expect you to be responsible for my experience. What I expect as, as a friend and what I expect as someone who, you know, if you have consideration for my humanity and me as a person, I expect for you to to listen and and hear my experience 
not your job to fix it immediately, but to be open to understand that my experience, while it may make you uncomfortable, is my reality in my life. And and for others, right? And so the same for you know our our you know uh, you know people with you know issues around people's sexual orientation. Like whereas we want to be understood, but we also have to understand that look on the other side of that, there is the narrative that other people have grown up around. There's you know communities that people have have gone through and have these beliefs and you know they may be legacy beliefs that aren't just going to change overnight. With the dialogue and open conversation, if you start from that baseline of being willing to give understanding in, in, in the same effort that you would want to be understood, that seems to be the baseline that I am able to use to actually have meaningful conversations with people. You know, and I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not trying. I'm just sharing my story. I'm just sharing my experience. And if you care about me as a person and my friend, then you, you're open to hearing that. And I think that's kind of how you open those doors. But Again, the part that I wanted to get to with this is that it's heavy, it's weighted. And the reality of it is people don't like to have things forced down their throat, right? I.e. masks, vaccines, whatever. (laughs) whatever No one one likes to be forced to do anything. They don't want to be forced to do anything. And so like, but that's the part that that bothers me more than anything else. Like we'll cut off the nose and spot our face, right? Like you, you... Hey, don't tell me what to do, even if what you're telling me what to do, even if you telling me what to do is like the right thing. And so how do we get away from that part of it to where we can look at and say, hey, look, your your freedom is still going to be there. Like, you know, this you doing something and being understanding of like, hey, we're all in this thing together. And when you're being asked to do something, it's more of a, hey, do this for the betterment of all of us versus just what your personal preference is. That's it. That's, I mean, that's, you know, Mateo, you figure that one out and you know, you are president of the world because that is but again, that's like the, the core challenge of humanity is like getting people to empathize and understand that other people are at their core people and mm-hmm. that there are more say you're, you're more similar to people in other groups than you are different. Right. Those are the two, you know, if you can get people to overcome that fallacy, um, you, you will change the universe. But, but it's a truth. Like, and we good, know good luck, man. <laughs> like, but, it, but no, but no, but look, it's a truth and we know it, right? Look at yeah, every we do. tragedy. This, this, this is, this is literally a psychological together. phenomenon known as the yeah. outgroup homogeneity bias. Right. It's measurable. It's been oh, studied yeah. many, many, it exists, but, it, but, but knowing it and naming it doesn't make it go away. And this is nothing, that, this is nothing to do with like race or sexual orientation. This is like, I believe that people from New Jersey act a certain way and people from New York act. It's like, this is just any group of people that can define themselves as a this and can define another group as a that will do so. And that they will believe that people in the, that group are more different than them than the differences within the, this group. That's, this is just a human trait, right? Yes. I think what, what, and and if we bring it back to the short-term space and we bring it back to, to, you know, vacation rentals as, as a whole and business as a whole is like, what can businesses or, or groups learn from this? You know, what, what you can learn is being inclusive and being diverse is going to go ahead and, and open up opportunities that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. It's going to go ahead and open up doors and it's going to bring new business in and it's going to open up ideas and, and just think about building a diverse workforce in your community, in your company, 
if we're looking at down to a company level, if you're going to go and have a, and have a, just a bunch of type A people, and again, we're taking race and just just a bunch of type. These are all the, this is that's who you're focused. That's again, that is your that is your audience. That is who you are. Everything's just that type A. But if you go ahead and you bring A through Z personalities mm. together, and then you have them all working together, you're also reaching those A through Z personalities. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what this all comes down to. There's so, you know, we're all in the alphabet. Right. <laughs> we're all yeah. connected one way or another, yeah. but how do you go ahead and better yourselves without even really just without really doing anything other than being open-minded? Yeah. You, John, you're hundred percent right. And like, you know, when I look at this, this is, this actually mirrors, this really mirrors the kind of like conversation about like why, why I am in the short-term rental industry in the first place and what I like kind of my vantage point on it. Um, and, and what, what I think is unique about, you know, my vision, um, and also what needs to change in the industry is it, you know, this is, and this is just about the, this is about like removing the us's and them's and understanding, like taking that step back and analyzing what things really look like. So this is, this is a piece of data that, you know, you know, Mateo, we talked about when we first met, which was probably at a conference in Amsterdam or something like that or, or yep. something, right? If you, if either one of you guys have ever seen me speak and I've spoken at, you know, Burma, at Booking.com conference, at Focus right, Radio yep. conferences and so on, I, I get on a soapbox and I say the same thing, right? I always get, the first thing I say is in the X hundred billion dollar, because that number always changes arbitrarily every year, right? right. X hundred billion dollar short-term rental industry, 70% of properties are managed by individuals or independent small managers, mm -hmm. right? right? Now that alone is not, shouldn't be a controversial statement, but it becomes controversial when you actually look at the way groups, the way uh, investors, the way OTAs, the way that the powers that be that, that deploy resources and capital into this industry the way, the way where they're actually pointing their, those resources, right? 99% of dollars of venture capital that have been invested in the short-term rental industry have been invested in companies that either manage thousands of property, hundreds of properties or technology built to serve those managers. Right. Which right. in turn is that 30%, not the 70%. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And by booking volume, it's, it's almost the same, right? By booking volume for one to 10 properties, you're looking at about 72% of bookings are, are for properties that are, are, that are managed by independence of one to 10 properties. So you have about 28% that are, <clears throat> you know, 10 plus properties up to a thousand. It's there's this great, there's a great graph. I like to, that I, you know, I love to show people it's by transparent and Airdeen has a similar one too, which show these, it's kind of like, you know, stacked graph. And it's like, bookings for units with one to 50, I mean, you know, sorry, one, one unit is 50%. So pro so 50% of bookings in the short-term rental industry are for properties that have one unit that are managed by someone that has one unit. That's an owner typically. Sometimes it's right. a manager with one unit and it's like, okay, let's take a step back as an industry and understand how can we grow this industry? And this is what I've been saying at the soapbox for years. If we want to grow the short-term rental industry, we need to make sure that the rising tide can lift all boats in this industry and that we're adequately preparing independent managers who make up most supply and most bookings are prepared with the tech, with the education, with the resources and the support that they need 
to connect to what is now an on-demand hospitality industry that's the fastest growing major segment of hospitality, it's the fastest growing accommodation segment, and will in the future be the most popular one, the way that is going to be considered the default means of travel, right? right? Once we, once the on-demand economy, once we remove more friction from it and you make it easier to connect that long tail supply, this is going to be the most populous, the most uh, volume based, the highest volume accommodation class in the world. And how is that industry going to work if we don't equip the, the regular guys, the regular Joes and Susies out there with, with the picks and shovels to be able to take advantage of the market? And what we see instead is the rallying cry. And this is where I get frustrated. You know, the people that are listening can probably infer what, what we do at Future Stay a little bit. But where I get frustrated and you hear, if you are not a professional manager, you need to leave this industry. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we want 50% of the industry to leave overnight? Uh, yeah, and I think that if we're if we're put ourselves in the shoes of the people that are saying that is in truly what they what they are they're saying that because they, they see it as competition. Of a and and B is like all right if I'm looking at it going how do we go ahead and and then I think this is obviously where you're coming in and exactly what you do is like how do we and give the tools and resources to these you know, the seventy percent or the fifty percent or whatever it is to make them more professional. Because obviously with, with regulations and restrictions in, in regionals here and there, like it needs to be more professional a hundred percent. And like, there needs to be some, in, you know, some stringent guidelines and this is how you operate and this is how you're going to be successful. And this is how, as a whole, we're going to go ahead and rise, you know, rise these tides and raise, you know, and lift all these ships. But yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that, that's, that's, I think, John, just, sorry, well, just one thing. You're, I think you're 100% right. I want to throw one more data point in here. And just so as we're talking about this, we have kind of a, a well-rounded picture. The other thing to note about this is that, and this is countering, when I saw this graph, I, I was like, my second thing to say when I get up on a soapbox, which is that there's actually a, a, a strong positive correlation, uh, almost correlation of, it's like, I think, 0.7 or 0.8. So it's a very high correlation between, um, well, actually, it's a negative correlation, between the size of a manager's portfolio and their average review score. Mm. So I'm not suggesting that big managers are bad managers. That's not, that doesn't make any sense at all. They're, they're far more successful in many, many ways than small managers are. But the review scores for smaller managers, in fact, the smallest managers have the highest review scores, and the largest managers typically have the lowest average review scores. And there's a million reasons why that yeah. can be the case. Yeah. Sometimes people are reviewing because they had a coffee with you and, and so on. Right. Right? But ultimately, the reviews are a measure of guest experience. And the point of saying this is that there is definitely a strong relationship with a high quality guest experience and a small manager. There are also many, many areas that the guest experience need to be dramatically improved and professionalized with a small manager. Because, you, because as we're saying here, we can't really modernize the industry when you have people that are still listing manually on channels that are getting double bookings because they are using an iCal to try to connect their booking.com to their Air their Airbnb and they don't have insurance. So when someone burns their couch, they go out of business. And there's just a there's a plethora of operational uh, lack of professionalization challenges throughout the and I'll say even the small medium manager and the independent manager segment, anything less than kind of let's just call it 2025 20, properties. There's significant professionalization and operational challenges. 
Um, John, I know you see them. I see you posting about them, right? Like yeah. people are working triple duty. They're being a property manager in the morning. They're being a cleaning person on the, on the weekend between stays. They're being a, you know, an actuary to reduce risk and try to screen guests before check-in. They're trying to be, they're t- trying to do risk mitigation and debt collection, right? There's way too many jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's all, that's across the whole spectrum until you start getting really to the enterprise segment where you at least have people to do that. Yeah. That's what we need to fix. Yeah. Right. That's what the industry needs to fix to professionalize, in my opinion. No, I, agree. I, I think, I, sorry. I think it, no, I was just, I think it, cause it expands on the conversation of professionalization, right? Like, and what does that mean? And I think it's interesting, you know, you're going to hear one segment say, Hey, all of these individuals and hosts and others just need to go to professional management. Right. And that's, that's kind of been the attitude that people, Hey, we, they just need to transition, but that's not happening. And then now there's a rally cry with, Hey, we need more properties. We need more hosts. We need more, we need more inventory for the industry. And that's not all again. So of course, property managers are going to go out and, and start farming. But the reality is now more people, especially coming out of this economy, you know, as you know, stimulus checks are going away, you know, government assistance is going away, people's real economic situations are going to come back to life. And so now you're going to see more people looking to, hey, well, you know, it's back to the gig economy. Like I have a room to rent or I have a house to rent or I have a, you know, an ADU to rent or, you know, hey, I have another property. I just acquired another property whatever that means may be. And so this segment, and, you know, we're seeing it, you know, with, with the future stays of the world and others in the industry that are, are like, all right, well, even prior to Airbnb making that huge announcement, right. And the others making those huge announcements that they want more inventory, people were already seeing the facts and figures that you put out there and saying, why isn't anyone addressing this, you know, from an educational standpoint, providing them the tools to be able to do this, because the reality is not everyone's going to be a good fit for a management scenario. Some people actually want to learn to be better and, and enjoy the process of hosting and, you know, may have two or three, you know, you know, short term rentals and that they enjoy doing that, you know, instead of driving Uber, driving Lyft or, you know, or, or whatever, you know, additional income means they may have. Like that's a that's a huge issue. Um, and, and so for us not to embrace them, I mean, you think about what we're not embracing. You know, we need to embrace that. The industry has to embrace that because if we don't, at the end of the day, you know, if you ostracize them and push them to the margins, you know, they affect us. They they definitely are going to affect our business and they're going to affect how we operate and what we do and how we're seen in our communities from a regulatory standpoint and how communities feel about SDRs. Like it's a broad ranging part of this ecosystem that we're all in together. And I think it is important to approach it with the attitude of education and, and outreach. And, you know, how do we bring this into the fold? We don't need to treat, you know, uh, the this, this segment of hospitality like hotels treat short-term rentals, right? Like, uh, mm. well, they're not gonna be around. Uh, well, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, well, but, but we'll, we'll figure out what they do and, and continue to move on. No, we need to embrace them. How do I love that, Mateo. That is, that is really insightful. I, I, but I think it's, tr- it, it, but it's true, right? Like it's, it's, it's not just to be altruistic, but it's, it's the reality of we're chained together in this. And right. if we don't want to continue to fight about parties and, and hosts not doing the right things or, or managers not, because, and, and managers too, right? Look, not, not all managers are private. Like there's an education cycle in here that everyone needs to, to be a part of and, and, uh, and embrace that we need to take on 
for our own survival and for us to, to thrive in this space. And now is a great opportunity to help help this segment, help our industry and, and really you know, build our strength to push forward for a future that actually is profitable for everyone. Right. Because right. Let's, let's be very clear, too, like this, there's dollar signs attached to this, too. You know, there there's opportunities to help people make more money and to, you know, through that, you know, help the industry become stronger, more profitable, more in line uh, and, and a stronger voice together. It's you know, the reality is we can think of a million ways to divide ourselves. But the fact is we're stronger together. We're stronger when we're more cohesive and we're stronger when we embrace the diversity of our business, mo- our business and our business models. Uh, a question. Mateo and and Philip, do we have so I'm very transparent, you know, I, mm-hmm. I've been in the industry about four years, Mateo, a similar time frame. You know, yep. we, we haven't been in forever and we came in from a and again, I'm using air quotes here for those are what a professionally managed uh, background for. So yep. um, more of the perfect, you know, and I want to say the property managers, not the individual yeah. hosts. I, well, let's take professional out of it now. With, with VRMA and all these different organizations that are more geared towards more geared towards the property manager as a, the individual host. I know um, overseas there's some more individual host you know centric um, you know you know organizations stuff like that. Do we have anything like that here in the US? If so, I'm unaware and I want to be more plugged in um, to that. Yeah, so let me jump in on that. So one is I, I would uh, just to clarify what what you're saying about the organizations in Europe, you know, I see a lot of sh- a lot of shows. There are a good number of shows, uh, and I'll just name drop some because I think they're excellent resources, which is like the host show and the short stay uh, summit and so on, which tend to be a mix of smaller man of mid to small managers. I think that there some of those are just distinct because of market dynamics. I think that like in Europe, you have a higher concentration of of small to medium sized property managers. In the U.S., you have the two ends of the spectrum where you have a vast number of independent managers, very, very large number of independent managers, one, two, three, four, five properties. And then you have almost like a valley with very little man, with very few managers in it that have between like, let's say, seven and 20 properties, because the people that kind of figure the formula out here move on rapidly to either growing or they get their properties managed by or they don't figure it out and they get their properties managed by professional right. managers. So you have this big gap in the U.S. that doesn't exist in the same way in Europe, I don't think. I think you have a lot of very large, you have a smaller number of massive managers in Europe. Let's, I'm going back to like 2019, right? So so you have like the interhomes of the world. And then now you have, you know, um, Sykes, Sykes, et cetera, right? So you have some massive managers, but there's not as many independents. Those independents would get swapped, would get picked up into the massive managers. And I think that's simply because this industry it was, it was more mature in Europe. That, well, it's not, I shouldn't say it's more mature. It grew up in a different time in Europe yeah, than it grew yeah. up here. It's not more mature. It's more mature here now, right? Because we had the benefit of, it's kind of like the subway system. You look at, you, you go to any other city in the world other than New York and you're like, this subway is great. What happened to the New York subway? The answer is I'm from New York. We built our subway first, so it sucks, right? <laughs> like we, we learned, you know, you, everyone else got to look at our crappy subway and say, well, I'm not going to do that that way. And so what happened in Europe as well, where, they built the, the, you know, the holiday lettings in short stay industry, and they built it in a way that was really inconvenient and full of all sorts of complex and unwieldy rules. And it was very difficult to list and manage as yourself as well as an individual. And there was very, there was no technology at this point in time in the U S the industry rapidly accelerated 
while when we were making the transition from, from guidebooks to digital guidebooks to online platforms to online booking. So yeah. we grew up here at the right time to uh, to catalyze the movement of independence, whereas they grew up, they started growing up and laid the groundwork for the industry prior to that. And that's the result is they have a bunch of small of medium sized small managers and independents don't really function the same way. So that was a long premise. But the premise of that is to say that I, I do think there is a growing, especially in urban areas, um, independent movement in Europe. But at the same time, those things that are shows, I don't consider those organizations. I think they're great shows. I've attended them. I've spoken at host, um, you know, et cetera. But I, but I, those are, those are great trade shows. They're great learning experiences, but those aren't, those aren't there to, to give ongoing support like Verma is. Right. Mm-hmm. And Verma is, you know, Verma is a trade organization, right? Like I think when I think about support, I think about um, rent responsibly. Do you guys know Rent Responsibly? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I work with Dave and, uh, and the team at Rent Responsibly, Dana and them. They do a great job. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that is support. Support is, you know, let me, the way that I define the independent segment, right? It's not one to 10 properties. Like that's a helpful number that's useful to draw a line and things so we can count stuff, right? But in reality, it's a manager that is, it's a, it's a property manager or owner that is operating a short-term rental business without significant material, educational, or structural support from another entity. Basically, their ass is on the line. If your ass is on the line and you're going to lose your house, not your company's house, you're going to lose your house if someone burns it down. Or when that double booking happens on a channel where you have to reimburse, you got to take $2,000 out of your bank account, not your company's bank account, your bank account, maybe you're the joint signer on, you're the main signer on, right, whatever. But that is an independent host. So independent hosts can scale all the way up to 20, 30 units. I've seen them. We work with them, right? Right. Most of them are very small because it's very, it's very difficult to build an independent business with 30 or 40 units. So typically when someone can, someone gets a business around 10, 15, 20 units, now have an, uh, enough corporate, corporate or structural, structural scaffolding around that so that they would no longer be an independent host. However, most of this industry sit squarely in the independent segment. So understanding that major difference, which is really they need support. Right. And, and I'll, 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 I'll put a, you know, I'll put a, an earmark on that too. They need good support because, yeah. you know, one of the things I learned, so when I started at Rented, they were still the marketplace that was pairing, you know, individuals looking for professional management at the time. And so, you know, to learn the industry, I was like, all right, well, where are people going? Like, you know, people that have homes, like where, where are they finding, like what's in the market? And so I would go to like meetups. I would go to, you know, Craigslist stuff that, hey, yeah. makes make, you know, six figures off your Airbnb, off your cell phone for a month. Just kind of see what information people were getting out there. Um, and then, and, but in that, I did find good organizations like um, Host to Host. Uh, shout out to Debbie uh, in the Host to Host community out in Portland. They do a really good job of bringing in hosts and smaller people to, together, um, and you know, creating a community around that, and and you know, doing education, working on advocacy together, and. And so there's groups like that around the country, but a lot of people are still, and I call it like the hustle side of the business. Right? Yeah. And the, and that's where a lot of the people who are novices, because they don't know where to go, they don't know that organizations like VRMA and other professional organizations are out there. And, you know, when they go to those organizations, they 
probably didn't have the best experience where I was like, hey, I got two homes. And they're like, okay, well, we can't really help you. So where do they go? Then it's like, well, yeah, I want to make six figures off my cell phone. So I'm, I'm going to go to this and buy this packet and or go to this program. And, you know, it's hit or miss. Um, yeah. Right. I'll jump and in so, and, and, and kind of caveat to that is, you know, yeah. let's go ahead and, and look at Clubhouse the same way. There is a ton of great information on Clubhouse and there's a ton of bullshit information on Clubhouse. There's so many thought leaders and like gurus and it's like, holy, I listen to some of them and I'm like, wow. And I just quietly and and then what is it? Silently leave or whatever you can put. I'm like, Mm -hmm. peace. (laughs) John, you're you're 100% right. Like, and, And this is right. This is the just the continued evolution of exactly what Matea is talking about in the sense that wherever there is demand for whatever kind of information, someone's going to figure out how to capitalize and monetize on that demand and create and supply it, even if they don't know how to do it. Clubhouse is, wow. Clubhouse is interesting in a lot of ways. Like I think the, I think the medium itself has a lot of potential. I think for our industry, specifically when you're talking about the independent segment, because I'm fairly active on Clubhouse and I participate in a number of groups. I'm a leader of some of the groups and, and it's, it's a tough format to be able to have a substantive conversation. And here's, here's the reason why when you're talking about independent managers, there's this journey, this, you know, we, we call it a future state. We just call it a roadmap, right? It's like, where in the journey are you? Are you someone that literally doesn't even have an Airbnb listing yet? You or Verbo, whatever your first channel that you're going to list on, you're thinking about putting a listing out. You realize your you know, uncle's house that is vacant for nine months out of the year because he's now moved to Singapore, whatever, right? Like this, it's nice, nicely decorated, whatever. And you're thinking about getting a listing together. Are you there? Or are you maybe two stages later where you already have a listing on your channel of choice? You don't even know how to gauge market performance. You downloaded a report on AirDNA and it looks like you're not doing great, but Airbnb smart pricing says you are. Or are you at the place where you now are able to pay your bills, but you, those one-off events are costing you so much money, like when someone lights a cigarette outside and it creates a burn damage on your deck or someone steals your you know, mother's vase, whatever it is, right? Like right. you're trying to figure out how to do risk mitigation. Like that journey is not linear necessarily, but it has mm-hmm. steps that kind of go in groups and in order. And the problem is when you try to get in front of a room of like, whoever shows up on your clubhouse talk, you don't know where to talk to them. And I can give like my, my specialty, like what I'm really interested in in the space. And I guess we can talk about future status a little bit too, is like, I'm, is that, is that I want to be the world's foremost expert at understanding how data connectivity, optimization, and automations can work together to create guardrails around an independent manager's business and help them meet their own goals, help them meet the goals and expectations of a traveler and help them meet the expectations and demands of the short-term rental industry, including regulations and OTAs demands, right? That process is when I talk about automation in you know, a future stay, some people are like, Oh, you guys are an automation platform or you guys are a PMS or your channel manager. Mm-hmm. Future stay is not those things. Those are useful, right? It's kind of like saying is Netflix, you know, a video rental store? Well, no, that was a helpful construct on the way to what Netflix is, right? Future Stay is an operating system for independent short-term rental managers. It's the dashboard they log into in the morning to see who's going to check in. 
It's what they look at after lunch to make sure all their payments were collected correctly and that the chargeback that happened was successfully fought. It's what they look at after dinner to see that all the emails were sent out and the online check-in receipts and, and notes were sent out correctly and to see the engagement with their campaigns. And so they look at before bed to get a good night's sleep and realize that, you know, uh, their noise aware device is not going off and that their insurance policy is, is successfully processed. That journey of taking someone from not having anything, from literally trying to decide whether to put their uncle's house on Airbnb to getting to that stage is the roadmap that we provide at Future Stay right. with our technology. Right. It's that it's getting independence to have guardrails around their business so they can do the thing that they do well which is creating, finding, discovering, and creating supply, bringing it into the industry and giving amazing guest experiences that are rated by travelers as the best in the industry. It's taking all the other crap off their plates because no one, no one likes, you know, fighting chargebacks, <laughs> right? Like that's not, a, John's like, I don't know, maybe I like fighting chargebacks. Know, you know, <laughs> I, I did come from the, you know, the payment processing space and nothing excites me more than talking, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Well, you know, I mean, the funny thing is that like, you're right, actually. Like, if my co-founder and COO were on this call, he would say the exact same thing in the sense, and John Fabio, he would be like, I do like farting. I, my team loves fighting chargebacks. Right. Right. There's a team that likes to do it. We like to do it with technology and all the tools in place. A manager should not have to like fighting them or learn to fight them or even see them. Right. Right. If they, if they can be absolved. And so that's what, that's what Future State does. We bridge the gap between the expectations of a massive, rapidly growing industry and the ability of independence to catch up with that. And we do that through a combination of tech and process, right? So that, that's, kind of, that's kind of how that works. So when we look at the space, we just see opportunity, obviously, but we see a gulf that needs to, a gap that needs to close. Yeah. And right. we can figure out how to build the advocacy around that to help everyone row together and close this gap and not create this us or them where people are saying, well, if you're, if you have, you know, we don't want people that are not professional hosts in the industry and they define professional hosts as not doing this full time, not having X and Y and Z number of units and those sorts of things. we got to create that. we got to create that, um, that come together moment. This is the, uh, the theme for the episode is, it seems to be uh, in this together. Like if we, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely in this together from, from, you know, from the diversity side of things to the, the us or them, to the professional, to the unprofessional, like it's uh, we're all in this together. How do we all have a, the same goal? Yeah. We all want to, we all want to see some success. We yeah. all want, um, and, you know, and success as, you know, I, I guess how that defined is different for everybody and that's okay. You know, yeah. like that's totally cool. But, you know, as as a space, as the short term rental vacation rental space, it's like, like, what does that success mean to you? How are we going to get there? And the only way we're going to get there is together. Yeah. So, um, no, I think that's the that's the interesting part. Like you get to define what success is for you. Right. Not everybody is, you know, has the same goals. Not everybody has, you know is running in necessarily the same race, right? Like, you know, let's think about the Olympics, right? <laughs> Olympic trial, like the, the, we're all on the same team, you know, but hey, all the different events can coexist together, right? And, you know, the, the goal is to, to you know, be best in class in whatever, you know, event that we're working in. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, but the, the, the inclusiveness of it 
I think it has to start with it's okay, right? Hey, it's okay. You're a host and you want to be a better host in this industry? Awesome. Welcome. You want to be a professional manager in this space? Awesome. Welcome. Uh, you, it, that's, that's the environment that we have to be able to embrace if we want to, if we truly want to thrive as an industry, you know, again, we don't get to dictate who's, who is seen in our space. You know, hosts are going to be here. It's not going away and shunning them and wishing that there's something that they're not, isn't going to get us anywhere. So how do we change the narrative and change the conversation to say, Hey, how do we make this industry best in class, regardless of what your event or what your, your, you know, lane in this industry is. And that approach is going to propel us to the future and to success faster, in my humble opinion. So Matt, Matt Landau went ahead in a couple of weeks ago, he had an inner circle post that he puts on in it. And uh, the question was, and it was interesting to see, the question was, what is a professionally professional manager? And I'm definitely, I'm not quoting here, you know, like mm-hmm. what, what is a professional manager in, or what is a professional managed company? And the, everyone chimed in and it was so different Mm. and, and it was, and it was wonderful to see how different it was, but it was also humbling uh, to see like how steadfast people were with, with their, their opinions on what a professionally managed and, and like, and basically, Hey, this is the only, you're a professional manager if you do X, Y, Z and you're not, if you don't. And I'm like, well, you know, I kind of came in in, 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 from a different direction, but it was interesting because it's again, what the, the bottom line is we're all in this together mm-hmm. and, you know, what is professionally managed to you? And, you know, is the same thing as what is success to you? I think, you know, yeah. and but ultimately still, again, we still have to be together because we still have regulations and all these things where we, we have to fight to make sure that we can all be successful. Right. right. It make, makes a hundred percent sense. And I think ultimately, you know, when we, figure out how to ally on this and we figure out how to bridge the gap. You know, you have to remember the, the one advantage that the independent segment has, which is certainly not coordination, but the, end, the advantage that they have is numbers. Think about how much more noise a thousand managers can make in a local area than one manager with a thousand properties. Right. hundred percent. It's a, it's yeah. Maybe one manager with a thousand properties can get a meeting at city hall. A thousand managers with a thousand properties can get the law changed. They can all a thousand of those, all a thousand of those people should be listening to the Mm -hmm. no bullshit short-term rental podcast. That's right. (laughs) That's right. I mean, how, how are we going to learn about the issues? we got to, you know, like, I think this is something that honestly is not even, this is why I call it the soapbox because I think that like people don't think of this as an issue because there's a there's such an echo chamber in the industry created around the enterprise segment yeah you know and you know i i know and as they say right i know enterprise segment some of them are good people right <laughs> i know but but like honestly it's like you know all of my friends in the industry are in the enterprise segment because everyone's in the inter- enterprise segment so i totally get it and i get that this is a unique challenge but this is something that we need to create a discussion about. You know, we're talking about the hard work of do of diversity. This is diversity, right. right? You know, I had a great conversation with um with one of the board members at Verma about diversity, and you know, and they were like, "What well, we're talking about DNI and stuff." And I'm like, "I want to talk about diversity in property managers. Yep. I want to talk about 
how Verma gets from several hundred manager members to tens of thousands of manager members. Like I have thousands of individual managers using my platform at Future State. Like thousands of clients, hundreds sign up every month, right? right? This is like when you compare that to enterprise management systems, they have usually dozens or hundreds of clients, right? Like the, the, the access to people, to help people, individual people pay for their college, pay off their college, their student loans, mm-hmm. to pay for their kids' tuition, to change their lives. This is something that, this is the power that we have as an industry. But like, I can't do it by myself, right? Like we need to have, we need to create a, dis- a broader discussion about it. And the first step around all of this, like we started this conversation out is awareness. It's, hey, how do we make sure that the guy or girl with two properties or going from one to two has a seat at this table? How do we make sure that we give them the support that they need so that they, so that the policies when they change, don't prevent them from accessing the market and make it harder, make another hoop for them to jump through but give them the understanding of how to get their, their supply to where the market wants it. Right. Hey, how much do you want to bet that uh, the diversity in manager type and diversity of other types are, are correlated uh, within the, uh, within the space? I, I, I think, I think we go down that, 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 I think we go down that road. We're going to see a lot of synergies in that space. I think one goes with the other and yeah, you can look at regions, you can look at markets, but I think the data overall are going to tell you, I'm sure you're, I mean, you, like, obviously I don't see everyone that we work with, but I get to talk to some of them and I get to oh, meet yeah. some of them in person. And yeah, there's a, it's a very, it's a vastly different, more diverse group from sexual orientation to age. Yep to race, to everything that you see when you, and to socioeconomic status, right? The whole gamut is run. And yeah, I mean, look, all these things are correlated, right? There are barriers and walls that we have to break through. And, um, you know, we're we're doing it. And and as we said about, you know, this, uh, this is the way we do it. We have the conversations about it. We bring it to the forefront and we put the work in. Absolutely. And that's why that's why this this format is successful. And we're, we're so stoked that you joined us today, Philip. Thank you so much. We, we appreciate the conversation. It's uh, you, you bring something to the table that we, we haven't had yet. And, and we, we, we look forward to having you in the future as a future guest as well. Um, thank you, man. Yeah. Thanks, guys. This has been a, a great conversation. Um, super energizing and uh, love to hear your your perspectives and insights on everything. Appreciate it. A couple quick things. Um, we are not going to be uh, we, next week where there's not going to be a new episode coming out. Um, we're taking a week off. We have our first official sponsor. More to come on that later. Um, we're still looking for more. So we're excited. We're going to have a new website. we got a whole bunch of new things coming out. Uh, Mateo and I, this is our side gig. So uh, the sponsorships are helping us actually uh, fund this so someone else can do it because right now we're, we're working all hours of the day to make sure this happens. Um, so thank you so much. Not next week, but episode 12 will come back um, sometime after the fourth. We might take a week or two off, but hopefully just a week. So we'll be just in two weeks from this Thursday or when you're listening to it, there'll be a next episode. Thanks, Philip. Thank, thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Later. Guys. Hey, and if you're watching on YouTube, like the video. Yeah, like the video. And if you're listening on on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a comment, leave a review. It would really help us out tremendously. Thank you. And if you're listening on Clubhouse, don't leave quietly. <laughs> <laughs>